0: nicola
1: everett hello hope you're okay thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on thursday may the 5th the former owners of one of kent's most famous hotels have gone on trial accused of cheating the taxpayer out of nearly half a million pounds our business editor chris Britcher joins me now chris this relates to the grand in
2: folkestone that's right and if you don't know the town let me just describe the hotel for you It's a very impressive building on the seafront that was built in 1899 and boasts four-star boutique accommodation, three restaurants, two bars and has extensive banqueting facilities. It was listed as one of the best places in the county to visit and has even attracted royalty in the past with Edward VII known to have stayed there. So what's alleged to have happened? Well, the venue used to be owned by 74-year-old Michael Stainer and his 60-year-old wife Doris. They are accused of applying tax deductions to the wages of 50 employees between April 2011 and April 2015 and pocketing the cash rather than passing it on to HMRC. A course, being been told the alleged fraud totaled more than £473,000. The jury was also told that HMRC officers had visited the hotel in January 2015 and Mr Stainer had claimed he didn't run the business, instead saying it was owned by the employees. However, records on Company House showed that at the time of the visit, Mr Stainer was the director of the grand and Mrs Stainer was the company's secretary While at the hotel, officers took away documents, computers and hard drives.
1: And what have prosecutors said about what was found within those?
2: They say it shows a substantial amount of money moving between the grand and the defendant's personal accounts. It's claimed the majority went into Doris Stainer's bank account, but in a police interview she said she had nothing to do with the accounts. It's also alleged money was used to prop up the mortgage repayments on properties they owned. The pair, who are both from Folkestone, deny cheating the public revenue and fraud by false representation. The trial continues. Chris,
1: thank you ever so much. We will, of course, continue to keep you updated as Chris says that trial continues.
0: Kent Online News.
1: Next today, we can hear from a Medway mum who's calling for more CCTV to be installed at a cemetery where her baby's grave has been repeatedly vandalised. Lily May Spring was stillborn eight years ago and was laid to rest at Woodland Cemetery. Cemetery in Gillingham. Her mum, Shannon, says the damage being done is heartbreaking. Well, she started a petition which already has hundreds of signatures and she's been speaking to our reporter, Juliana.
3: She's been in the cemetery now for eight years. Um, The first time it happened was within a couple of weeks of her being laid to rest. Um, And then gradually it's just been every other week or every other month. Sometimes it could be months and months before something happens. Um, that Lily's grave gets destroyed, stuff gets broken, stuff gets smashed and dumped, um, flowers get ripped up, cards, sentimental things like little um, ornaments that I buy or family buys. Um, But recently it's just got to a point where it's happening a lot more. It's not just my baby's grave, it's my friends, it's other people's loved ones in there. Um, You know, things like recently what's happened um, her big ornament that's been there for seven years, not one bit of rust in it, nothing, it's still like new. Smashed the pieces, we found it at the top end of the cemetery in the bushes by the alleyways. Um, flowers ripped up, um, her recent cards that were put down ripped up, Teddy's ripped up, um, it's just everything we pretend to be put on at the minute, it's just getting wrecked. And you're trying obviously with your petition to get
0: like at least five cameras to at least try to cover the area that her grave is.
3: Yeah, we're gonna try with the petition, we're trying to push for cameras on all exits and entrances. Um and if other people are willing to, we're trying to get cameras looking over all of the rest of, like all the people resting there. Not just because of my personal experiences, but because everyone else has come forward like on the petition that they put loved ones there, they're worried about their loved ones resting places. Um, it's just to put our minds at rest as well as other people's.
0: What would be your, your message to those people doing these horrible things, not only to your baby's grave, but to so many loved ones that just want to be resting peacefully at the cemetery?
3: My words to them... If you can call them people with feelings, doing this sort of thing is think how you would feel if that was someone doing that to your loved one that had passed. Someone who you care about, someone who you miss. Think of those people that are, you're hurting doing this.
0: Are you hopeful that this will be that this will be sorted and perhaps the people responsible will be caught?
3: I'm hoping so. I'm not holding faith. I'm, I'm not. But I am going to be hopeful that something will be done or these people that have done it come forward off their own back. All I can do is hope and pray that something does come out of this petition. They do put the cameras in, whether people write about their privacy or not. As I've stated before, I'd rather them watch me looking over my baby's grave than standing there with no security, nothing, to, you know, for this to happen again. It might not be my baby's next time, it might be somebody else's, but next time, what if it is my baby again and it's her headstone? Something that's more value to replace. Not that money comes into it, I don't care how much it costs if I have to keep replacing it, but I shouldn't have to keep replacing something. That's done there for life. Well, police would like to hear from anyone with information
1: about the damage caused. You can also read this story and find a link to that petition at Kent Online. A Maidstone man's been charged following a sex attack at a nightclub. A 20-year-old woman is reported to have been targeted in Portsmouth at the weekend. The 24-year-old suspect has appeared before magistrates and is due back in court later this month. Elsewhere, a court's heard how a woman drove off after hitting a schoolboy with her car on a zebra crossing in Canterbury. The 14-year-old was left with a broken leg after being knocked down by the BMW on St. Stephen's Road in January 2020. Natalie Parker, who's 24 and from High Street Road in Faversham, waited two and a half hours before calling the police. She's now been fined and given points on her licence. A builder's merchant has been fined £400,000 after two workers were injured in Margate. One of them was hit on the head and the other suffered life changing leg injuries when sheets of metal mesh slipped off a forklift at the the Dewson site. The parent company admitted failing to provide instruction, training and supervision to protect the welfare of its employees. A fundraising page has been set up to help the family of a cyclist who was killed in a crash near Faversham. Tributes are being paid to 19-year-old Cavan, who died after being hit by a car on Lower Road in Tenham in the early hours of Monday. Money donated will help pay for funeral costs. Five people have been arrested over the collision.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group. With car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone.
1: Polls are open for voters in Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells as local elections take place. The results will decide which councillors will represent the areas. You have until 10 tonight to cast your ballot with results being announced tomorrow. A wildlife park near Canterbury is considering legal action over videos claiming to show animals being kept in poor conditions. Someone posted footage of chimpanzees and moon bears on TikTok after visiting the site in Wingham or bosses have told Kent Online it's malicious and insist the animals are well looked after. Two P&O Ferries agency workers say they were sacked without notice for not speaking English well enough. The men from South America were hired as chefs on the Pride of Kent after 800 workers lost their jobs last month. They've now also been fired. The company says they were treated in accordance with their contracts and had their return flights paid for. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told some NHS staff in Kent have anxiety and are struggling to sleep as a result of the work they've been doing during the pandemic. Workers are being encouraged to speak about how they're feeling and get help if necessary. An online portal has been set up so they can self-refer while psychologists and therapists are now based in hospitals. A special bus is also visiting hospitals in the county with experts on board. Well, I've been speaking to
0: Dr. Lona Lockerbie from the Kent and Medway Wellness Service. Well-being in the workplace is a real issue and by promoting and supporting and helping people's well-being not only does it make people feel good and okay but it keeps them in the workplace and it enables them to carry on going to work and delivering a good service so it's very important.
1: Do you think maybe it's something that could have been done sooner? Because you know a lot of uh, healthcare staff, whether they be in our hospitals or, or clinics, I mean they're seeing sometimes difficult things every day, aren't they? But do you think maybe the, the pandemic was perhaps a catalyst for something that could have been done a while ago?
0: Oh, sure, definitely a catalyst. I mean, there've always been a staff support services within the NHS and people access them, but this is something extra, and certainly it's no longer a nice; it's a definite must-have in the work place
1: and I know you've had the bus already going around to various hospitals in the county for those who come along what sort of things are they saying to you We're,
0: we've got a mix so some people just want to come along and have a drink and a refreshment and they just say it's really nice to get off of the wards to get out of the hospital but there's others who come to the bus who are telling us they're in need of help they're anxious they're having panic attacks they're not sleeping and they actually they're going to the GP is too big a step but actually coming onto the bus it, which has no stigma it's a nice environment it's much easier and then they can ask for a little a bit of help and then they can refer into our services if appropriate. How much
1: is this trying to avoid another crisis within the health service where we end up with an awful lot of people as you say potentially off work because they're struggling to cope mentally with with what they've had to deal with over the past couple of years?
0: Oh yeah this would be a key part of trying to avoid that situation and as I've said, uh, keeping and promoting staff's well-being is really important in keeping staff in the work, uh, in the workplace, but also in keeping staff feeling supported valued and keeping well
1: and I guess for staff who are struggling I mean they obviously take those struggles home don't they so it can affect a wider group of people if they're going home to their families and they're they're feeling as you mentioned they're anxious or they're not sleeping
0: absolutely so whilst we're working with the individual we will we'll look at how they are in their family and if there's issues and we can signpost other family members into services if necessary we have good links with relate so if there is some family work needed or work with a, a partner we can help uh, we can help set that up for people
1: i think uh, kind of our our mental health uh, there was always in the past maybe a bit of a stigma about it you just kind of you got on with it you know that, that stiff upper lip kind of british attitude that seems to have, have changed completely now and there's an awful lot of awareness about mental health have you noticed that people are are far more receptive to the idea of coming and having a chat and maybe getting some help if they do
0: need it oh definitely there's a real change and what's been really interesting with the bus historically it tended to be women who'd seek help for mental health men were less likely to we've had a number of men who've come onto the bus and have been able to say actually i'm struggling a bit i need some help so i think definitely there's been a change in culture that people are able to talk about how they feel, how their well-being, their emotions. Kent Online
1: reports. A man who's accused of running a people smuggling operation across the channel has been arrested in East London. The 29-year-old is thought to have supplied small boats for asylum seekers to travel from France to Kent. He's wanted by authorities in Belgium and could now be extradited. Meantime, Medway Council is refusing to take on more asylum-seeking children and is considering legal action against Against the, government. the Home Office has asked all local authorities to take part in the National Transfer Scheme following a rise in the number of refugee children crossing the Channel in small boats. But bosses in Medway say their services are already under pressure. It's feared a car park in Ashford could close for good after the reopening of it was delayed. This is actually one of our most read stories today. The Park Mall site has 300 spaces and was bought by the council last year. While well, businesses nearby say they're losing. Using trade while it's shut and are worried it could be demolished to make way for housing. You can take a look at the site and see pictures from inside by heading to the story on the website. New figures seen by the Kent Online podcast show a worrying decline in the number of flying insects in Kent. The data was collected by counting the number of bugs found splatted on cars last year compared to back in 2004. Conservationists say the 70% drop is a huge concern as we rely on the insects to pollinate plants that produce food. I've been chatting to Dr Lawrence Ball, who's from the Kent Wildlife Trust.
4: It is concerning. Uh, We know biodiversity as a whole is declining. um, And we know that certainly the number of insects will have declined over the last sort of few hundred to a thousand years with human activity although we must add the caveat that this is data from just two points in time Um, and so the more data we have going forward uh, the more accurate our estimations of declines will be.
1: And how important are those particular insects? I mean why is it important that we try to save them?
4: So insects are critical to life on earth they're far more important than other animal groups such as mammals and birds. Um, they play very important roles in an ecosystem, so they are super important uh, as you might know for pollination and decomposition processes. Um, many of our crops from sort of tomatoes to apples, to other fruiting trees, um, coffee, cocoa, uh, cotton, they're all sort of pollinated by uh, insects. So loss of this service um, really could be quite detrimental uh, t- to, the, to the planet and sort of the human survivability of the planet. Even. How
1: do we turn around this decline then? What, what can we all do and, w- and what do we need to do um, more generally, perhaps as, as a county or a, or a country, to try and reverse this trend at the moment?
4: So one key thing that we can do as a country is to stop using pesticides, our habitats are already fragmented. Woodlands just exist in patches. You know, we've got urban areas, grasslands are very fragmented. And sort of on top of that, you've then got pesticides being used in these sort of intermediate habitats. And this is really detrimental to not just insects, but the whole sort of food chain and other animals. So stopping stopping the use of pesticides is a key one. Protecting and restoring habitats is very important so that insects can uh, disperse and move around uh, the landscape. We can also uh, do things sort of individually, so we can make our gardens more wildlife friendly. There's various things you can do to encourage insects to your garden, using bee hotels, putting out sort of your waste or your compost, composting, that sort of thing is very useful. Um, and just using native plants as well.
1: The bit I was interested in with as far as the research is that, you, you do the study basically on the amount of insects that you find on car bonnets because I, I certainly remember, remember when I used to drive down the M2 regularly say so about 10-15 years ago my car would be covered and it's really not anymore and I know uh, Jeremy Clarkson actually spoke about it on Clarkson's farm and, and was talking about how much of a big issue it is and what he was doing on his particular farm to to try and encourage the, the wildlife but I think that's that's probably something that everyone can kind of relate to if they've been in a the car they used to know how much they'd have to clean the windscreen and they're just not doing it anymore is it something you want us all to to keep an eye out for as well you know something as basic as that as to how dirty our cars get
4: yeah so this survey design the idea of counting the insects that are are splatted on number plates has really came straight out of that casual observation by many of us that insects you know the number of insects on our windscreens has declined a lot over the last few decades Um, and that's really where this sort of this idea came from um, by using the number plate rather than a windscreen. Obviously, it involves a bit less counting for us. But it's the same sample size that we use for everyone. Uh, so it's a good standardised way of counting the number of insects.
1: As you heard there, a new survey is underway to keep track of the data. We're being urged to get involved via the Bugs Matter app. Kent Online reports. At Kent Online today, you can see what more than 100 new homes along Folkestone Seafront could look like. Developers want to build a mix of one, two and three bedroom apartments, as well as a cafe, play area and restaurant. If approved, there could also be more than 100 parking spaces for vehicles and bicycles. A Rochester company has launched a new product which aims to make flying easier and even safer. BAE Systems have developed a lightweight head-up display for use in commercial and military aircraft. Lightwave has a clear screen which sits in front of the pilot's face and gives some vital information about the plane's status. Kent's getting £3 million in funding over the next year to help victims of domestic abuse. The government grant will be used to improve welfare support arrangements and provide safe accommodation for those who escape violence. That includes investing money in refuges, home security measures and moving people to long-term houses. And finally today, a submarine which was built at Chatham Dockyard is celebrating its 60th birthday this week. HMS Ocelot remained in service for 27 years and returned to the dockyard in 1991 where it remains on display. If you visited the historic dockyard in Chatham, you may very well have been on board. Well, we've been chatting to ex-submariner Chris Reynolds, who's been telling the Kent Online podcast about his time on board and the conditions.
5: I joined the submarine service in 1979 and after qualifying in a different submarine, joined HMS Ocelot when she was coming out of refit at Rosyth Naval Base in Scotland in 1980. Uh, I joined as the fifth hand, which was basically the torpedo officer and the correspondence officer, and stayed with her for a year. Uh, My role basically was from the torpedo side, loading and offloading torpedoes through the torpedo loading hatch and I was responsible for all the torpedoes and uh, loading etc into the torpedo tubes. Correspondence, Uh, when the submarine had been at sea for some time, clearly you don't get mail and as soon as we uh, hit port, then all the bags of mail would come piling on board so whilst everybody else went off and found their hotels I was left on board to sort out the mail pass it through to the various messes and give the captain the official mail and then do all the replies etc required and of course in those days there were no computers so carbon paper and snowpake were in use all the time but on the diesel boats um, you get set into a routine very quickly and yes, you don't really notice how cramped it is uh, because half of the submarine will be on watch and the other half of the submarine will be off watch and usually um, either watching movies or in the Mestex or in, the, in, their, uh, in their bunks. Um, everyone used to complain when we got back about the smell of the crew because the water was usually rationed and also about the smell of the diesel, um, but again, we never ever noticed it. When I came back from a patrol on a diesel submarine, my wife used to make me stand in the front door, hand her over my grip of clothing, which went straight into the washing machine, and I went straight into the bath, and I was left alone there for several several hours until uh, we got the smell off.
1: You can also read our special report about Ocelot and see pictures of inside by heading to Kent Online.
5: Kent Online
1: Sports. Football First and police have confirmed they're looking into violence that broke out following Gillingham's final league game of the season against Rotherham. Officers are reviewing footage from Saturday, of rival fans clashing on the pitch at Priestfield. The result of that game, of course, as you have probably heard in previous podcasts, led to Gillingham's relegation from League One. And Tim Henman has been in Kent giving a tennis lesson to a nine-year-old competition winner. Sam Dennison won a private lesson with the former British number 1 after entering a national draw last year. The 45 Five minute session took place at the deal indoor tennis center well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram you can also now get access to the ad-free kent online premium site by subscribing just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe and whilst you're on the site today you can read our latest eat my words food review news you can
0: trust this is the kent online podcast